best show begins now. Hello and welcome to NXT, the next best show, episode 27, I believe. I'm your host, Tom Romberg, joined as always from two different states. In Illinois, we have Xavier Sanchez. Xavier, how are you? Um, I'm doing well, doing well here. Um, this week, I want to start off by shouting out a tough decision, but uh, finally, I'll go with Max Struess. I don't think we I included him as our shout out, but uh, at the end of today's show, he f- he's finally on the program, and we had a nice discussion. I think it was about 30 minutes. Uh, we talked about literally everything, so it's a fun one. That's right. Yeah, we'll uh, have that at the end of the show, uh, so stay tuned. We also have, over in Wisconsin, Nick Richter. Nick, how are you? I'm doing pretty good. Um, my shout-out for this week, a little bit different. A little bit different. I'll get, uh, I'll get back on the old train next week, but um, Armando Galarraga, I don't know if you guys remember this. I've heard he that name. Played, he played for the uh, Tigers, the Detroit Tigers, when he threw the almost perfect game when the umpire at first base blew the call i remember that and uh he's appealing to mlb to try to get that change to where he will have actually thrown a perfect game so man i hope that works out for him because i i've watched i watched that somebody came across my twitter feed last week i rewatched it it just everyone else was going crazy for him because they knew that guy was out even the even the runner knew he was out and then to just the heartbreak of him being called safe was tough to watch. I I remember it for me. I don't know why, but that, that moment was one of those. uh, I remember where I was for it uh, because I, I remember seeing like, that was when I would watch like ESPN religiously and just sports. And I saw it on the scroll and they said they were tuning in for the final inning. And then first out, I think that might've been the, that would've been the third out. And I'm watching it, that he ground ball, he throws it to Cabrera, and Jim Joyce ends up blowing the call. But what's such a bummer, at that time, there was no uh, replay, so they couldn't change it. And that guy, uh, as soon as he saw the play, he had just, he realized he had messed up. And it, it, it ate at that guy for so many years, it still does. Yeah, I mean... That next day, they had uh, him and uh, Galarraga, I remember, uh, hand out the two, uh, the, the line of cards to the, in the start of the game. But uh, that's such a horrible thing. Yeah, I remember Jim Joyce, like, cried at the post-game interview. And he got interviewed post-game, which I don't think ever really happens for umpires. But he was basically crying, saying that he knew he screwed it up. And he felt bad that he took away the, a perfect game, but... Yeah, that's my shout out this week. Yeah, hopefully, I mean, hopefully he gets it because uh, that'd be pretty awesome, especially after all that. Yeah, all that happened. Well, as I said, I'm Tom Romberg, and my shout out this week uh, goes to all of sports media, but specifically social media um, pages for like ESPN and Bleacher Report and all that, because they put in tons of work trying to figure out what to post uh, while we have no sports. And you know what? We're starting to get sports back. So those people, they survived. They did it. They put up uh, random debates. They 
made you know edits and random pictures just to like remind people that sports exist and so that they could continue having a job um they got through it we had ufc fights last week uh sports are back so um you know shout out to all the people that had to try and figure out what to do with their sports job while there were no sports you know what i am surprised this this picture didn't get reposted the one where it's like i think it was for the olympics maybe or uh, a, the World Cup maybe, but it was it was like we are the we are USA or something like that. That Bleacher Report posted it had like yeah all the cast of Friends, yep. Iron Man, like just a whole bunch yep. of just random, random random people. I expected that to get posted at some point. It just never got reposted. A little bit ah, disappointed. I yeah maybe I kind of forgot about that. I hope they do because that I thought it was during the World Cup during the Women's World Cup. I think that was right. I could be, I don't know. Yeah, but I remember that picture. That was incredible. Um, so we've got uh, a couple things to talk about today in the sports world. As I mentioned, sports are back, sort of. Um, we can see a light at the end of the tunnel. I'll say that. There's been some debate. We'll talk about how baseball is working on um, contract deals so that they can start playing again. Um, we can talk about UFC. We'll talk about UFC fighting uh, this weekend. And then... Um, as Xavier mentioned, at the end of the show, we'll play. We just interviewed Max Struess today of the Chicago Bulls. Um, great interview with him. He talked a lot about, you know, the process of, of going from high school to college, transferring, and then into the NBA, um, being knowing Xavier in high school, um, and Chipotle. So uh, stay tuned for that because it was a great interview. Let's start off, though, uh, with talking about baseball. As I mentioned just now, um, they're, they've had talks about uh, trying to get baseball started again, but of course, um, questions of the contracts that players have signed, and because there won't be fans in the stadiums, the teams are trying to save some money. They want to renegotiate these contracts for one year only. Um, what do you what do you guys kind of think of this? Where the owners are coming from and where the the players are coming from? Obviously, both have arguments, but um, you know what what do you guys think? Um, I know, um, the owners of the teams right now, they're trying to keep being, uh, all of them are practically billionaires and they want to stay billionaires. So they're going to continue to ask the players to be the ones that make the cuts. And it's not like the players haven't made the cuts. I'm pretty sure they've already accepted a handful of, uh, loss and contracts and then to keep adding it on to those guys being the ones to lose money, I, it's starting to get a little unfair. As much as people want baseball back, not only are they going to lose money, but the other types of uh, quarantine rules that they're going to have to uh, abide by is not easy. And someone's got... I, the players and the player union, they've come so far to be able to make the amount of money that they are making and it was not an easy process so i don't see them giving in just to be the league that gives everyone hope i guess my opinion on that i for one thing i completely agree with everything xavier said the part that just i can't seem to comprehend is why wouldn't one of these billionaire owners just have some good publicity and just say, you know what, we're going to pay our guys in full like they played a regular season. 
And yeah. sure, you might take a bath on that for a year, but I have a feeling that good karma is going to come around and you'll make that money back. Like it's it's easy it's easy publicity to say that. Sure, it might yeah. be it might be a lot of money for a year, year and a half, but you know what? I think it's worth it because you'll be the only person that's done that so far. Yeah, um, I mean I understand that, and I do think that you're asking a lot of these players um, because of the rules they're going to have to follow in order to continue playing. Like they won't be able to go home to their families every night or, you know, travel home and travel away to the next game. And you're asking them to, to risk a lot. Um, but I can also see where so much of the revenue um, comes from the stadium. Like so much of it is tied into that, that they would almost have to renegotiate the TV deals if they wanted to, avoid renegotiating contracts with the players which i think you know i think that would be almost a better option is talk to you know espn or fox sports or whatever and renegotiate those deals on how much they're paying for you to to license your games because you have no one in the stadium that many more people are going to want to watch it on tv obviously not everyone will want to but that's it's a lot more viewers and so the ad dollars for those you know those commercials goes up and i think that that is another option that that they should go look into um because the players aren't going to want to play for less money right just completely being devil's advocate for that though is more than likely this is going to last a year like one season that's just a lot of negotiations that have to go on for one year true you know what i mean so i i have a hard time yeah that's everything everything we've talked about as much as i want baseball to come back and they're talking about it coming back. Oh, it'll be back soon. It'll be back soon. There's still so much like negotiations that have to go on to actually get it to come back that I just, I'm afraid it's done. I don't think it's coming back this year, if I'm going to be honest. And then another like issue with bringing it back, because the this COVID-19 coronavirus stuff is still so new to the world that there's very little info altogether on it that these leagues have to go through like so many different precautions and uh jeff passon of espn just posted not too long ago a little bit about uh the conversation rob manford had with cnn about um how these players would have to test multiple times a week uh at a facility in utah they uh they also have to if they do have it they have to have two negative tests before they can play again, which that's another like ethical dilemma because there's so there's so few tests out there that why would they waste them on a sports league when that could have just been set aside for another time? Well, and then you also look into that as like if if you're testing that often, if one of the players gets it their entire team can't play anymore. Like, right. even if you test all the other players, they were still exposed to it. There's a chance, like, even... The, or you're asking the players that have been exposed to it or test positive not to play. That could potentially put a lot of a team's, like, stars out. That's going to diminish what they're putting on the field, and that's going to, like, decrease the interest that fans have. That's going to decrease... So, like, even if you do test, even if you are proactive and everything... If someone gets it, it could potentially ruin that team's, you know, that team's 
lineup for the next few weeks and it just is that worth it like the teams would have to be okay with that right that i didn't think about that but that's a really good point how if somebody on one team gets it more than likely that team is shut down for two weeks that creates a problem if they ended up if they got if they got tested like after a game or whatnot i'm gonna assume they're gonna have both teams and the umpire crew are gonna have to be out for two weeks that just messes up the entire schedule yeah so yeah they still got a lot to figure out. They got a long ways to go, and time's ticking to the point where I just I don't know if it's gonna happen. Yeah, I was I was at least optimistic, not necessarily confident. But after talking about it just for these few minutes, I'm not really expecting much anymore, <laughs> or mm-hmm. at all like expecting anything really. Um, I was hoping that like these talks meant like they were at least coming close to something, but it just seems like there's so many roadblocks that they haven't even started to approach because they haven't gotten over the first one. That just because you figure out how to pay the players doesn't mean everything else is solved. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Also, we we saw um, UFC start fights this past weekend, um, so they came back officially. Um, and I I don't I didn't watch. I don't know that many people that I mean I wouldn't have watched it even if it were regular. I don't know. I think they I'm said it was UFC the guy. most viewed one they've ever had by a lot. Was it really? I I didn't watch it, but I pretty sure i read that on twitter so i mean you know people were desperate enough for sports that they took that i just it was a little bit of an easier thing to overcome when it's um like one-on-one and it's fighting and like you're, right you don't have as much uh to overcome as a, a team sport does but um it was at least optimistic because we had like there was sports highlights on twitter like we had something to look at that was new um and so that was at least like interesting. And I think it gave everyone a little bit of a, a burst of, of confidence or happiness or something just to like, even if you don't like UFC at all, which I don't really, but I was still like, uh, okay, at least we have something like watch, watch a spinning like back fist or whatever they call those things. Like, I don't know. I don't know any UFC moves, but you get to watch highlights. My favorite UFC fight of the week was that Jeff Goldblum guy who wasn't actually Jeff Goldblum fighting the shirtless guy. Did you guys see that video? No. Oh my gosh. It was so funny. You have to look that up later. Um, probably one of my all time favorite videos. He starts doing like MMA moves on this guy, or this Jeff Goldblum looking guy starts doing MMA moves on the shirtless guy. It's hilarious. Um, yeah, as far as actual MMA goes, I think this just goes to show the first sport that genuinely comes back, the ad dollars, on on the uh, tv broadcast are going to be enormous because they're going to yeah. have eat like i'm i'm guessing it's going to be like super bowl-esque numbers on the first sport that finally comes back those first couple of games because people are dying for it yeah absolutely it's going to be so much money to advertise on that so excited which sport do you think comes back next fully like, I think we're going to have to wait until football, honestly. Yeah, I think it'll be the NFL. I don't know. I genuinely will... just think it is because the NFL doesn't care. Like, yeah, they make I mean, the money NFL that they just like said, like, whatever. Well, like, we're going reports for have it. come that they're like, we're guaranteeing a full season. Like, we're not doing yep. any like we're going to do it. So, like, they I mean, it sounds like the NFL is just planning on playing no matter what. Mm-hmm. Um. That's what I got on the UFC. I didn't really watch much of it. Um, I know there was another controversy in there, but 
well, apparently one of the refs smelled like booze. I read that's on Twitter. <laughs> really? So that's that's not very good. But <laughs> where was I'm pretty sure uh, Florida, right? Where was the fight? Yeah. I think so. Rules must don't apply there these days. I don't know. But, yeah, that was a controversy that I'm pretty sure Dana White um, had some comments on. I don't know what he actually said. But if you watched it, probably good. If you're a UFC fan, probably good to get that back. And I mean, they're making decent ad dollars on pay-per-views and stuff, too. Any other last things before we head into uh, entertainment? What you guys been watching? I just started Ozark. Ozark. Yeah, it's Jason Bateman. Um, they just released a third season on Netflix, and everyone went wild for it. And so I decided I was going to start that. Um, it's basically he's like a financial advisor that launders money for a drug cartel in Mexico. And it's pretty interesting. Um it takes a lot of focus. Like you actually have to pay attention. And I'm usually, usually when I watch something, it's, I just throw it on and then I like do other stuff while I like listen basically and just kind of pay attention every once in a while. Um, but this show has taken a lot more focus. It's good, but I don't know. I don't see exactly what everyone was all, uh, excited about yet. Maybe it's just the third season. I haven't gotten that far yet cause they're long episodes, but Maybe when I get there, I'll see it. But you know what? Right now, it's it's all right. But no, I'm okay. right there with you, Tom. I watched the first two episodes, and I do the same thing. I put a show on, and it's kind of just on in the background. I watch it not very, like, intently. If you don't watch Ozark intently, you get so lost so quickly that I just found myself having to rewind and, and replay stuff over and over and i was like i i can't do this yeah i fell asleep today xavier was trying to text me to set to get that interview going and i had fallen asleep while i was watching i have no clue how many episodes played i had no clue where i was when i fell asleep and where i'm at now i'm just gonna have to like restart like five i don't even know like (laughs) maybe two episodes and just watch until i stop remembering things and i'm like oh this is where i left off like it's just gonna take up so much time Definitely not a show you want to fall asleep watching because you'll just lose your place. Yeah, I, th- I think I, I'm, I've been watching a bunch of shows and that one's still on the list. But I did try to watch it when it first came out because I, I seem to watch as, as soon as I see a new title on uh, Netflix or Hulu or something, I hop right into it. But that one I couldn't get into for the same reason that I didn't put enough like attention to watching it. One of uh, the shows that I recommend for this week is, uh, it's called Unsolved. Um, it's, I think it's on Netflix. Uh, it ta- it follows uh, the Tupac and Biggie Smalls, like, case and storyline of them, like, meeting and end up butting heads and like reaches to them both dying and how like the case was run how they didn't find they've never found who did it but i recommend that show i'm trying to look what are some of the apparently outer banks is good i have no idea what it's about but yeah i've seen that that's like number one on netflix but i haven't even sort of thought about watching it yet yeah it doesn't really draw any interest to me either 
Xavier, were you able to watch uh, the MJ doc this past last weekend? I missed yep. these episodes, but yep, ha- haven't missed a week. Uh, a true viewer of the program each That's week. Good. Tune what, in. What, uh, it's like church. What um? Ha- when was the last time you went to church? Uh, it's been a few weeks. I did watch mass once since I've been home. Okay, but you've watched all of the MJ docs. Okay, got it. Um, My snore your priorities are at. <laughs> it's like church, but I, I actually watch it more than I go to church. So, um, <laughs> what, It's like what church, are, but it's basketball and my favorite player. What is your take on the last um, last two episodes? Um, first thought, uh, I'm just going to jump into it. Uh not a lot of music in these last two. It was very, very few songs. Uh, they, they, the ones they did pick were obviously great as always, but not not often. Was, it was more if they did have music, it was more of your uh, score music that had uh, like piano and stuff like that. It wasn't actual like songs, if that makes sense. Um, these ones were talked about as being some of the best episodes yet. We, they really dove into the drive and competitiveness of Michael Jordan and how he pretty much did every little thing to get to where he wanted to go. And it was truly wild to see. They also talked a little bit about uh, the training regimen that he had with uh, his trainer, uh, this one was cool because it talked a little bit about uh, his baseball career, which we all knew about, but definitely forgotten some pieces. Like, I think one of the coolest things is uh, baseball great manager Terry Francona was his uh, Birmingham Barums coach. Uh, things like that. I read a story about one of the players on his team. He would... I'm gonna. I'm missing some parts, but he would help. Michael Jordan would help teach this guy English, and each word he would get correct that he pronounced and comprehended, he would get like a hundred dollar bill from Michael, which is all. You always hear how rude Michael Jordan is or how not nice he is, and here he's just tossing out hundred dollar bills to everyone. I feel like we hear a lot of stories about Michael Jordan tossing out $100 bills to everyone, too, because he was gambling all the time. But I was, I was kind of thinking the same thing. <laughs> but this is different. This is in a good way. It's nice. He's not, like, betting on anything. He's just he's just doing it out of the kindness of his heart. One, one of the funnier parts of this week's film was... You good? <laughs> what a cliffhanger. Oh, he just left. Oh, Xavier's <laughs> gone. <laughs> one of the one of the funniest parts was, and I'm out. Yeah, he just he just ditched us. Something got kicked over and then just gone. <laughs> Xavier like keeled over out of view and then just his camera shut off. So I don't know what happened there. It must have been a really funny part of the episode because he was di- he literally died laughing. He literally fell out of his chair. <laughs> it was an unbelievable moment for the show. That was... Our first yet. Yeah, that was great. That was great. His computer died. <laughs> <laughs> That's Man. not perfect timing. I don't know what yeah. is. 
that honestly it couldn't have been any better like there was nothing he could have been saying that was better than that and he's yeah. back well all right back. i'm back uh i don't know what you guys just talked about but that's okay uh can i buck back in still waiting for you you're yeah, waiting for you to finish your thought it's been silent perfect awesome um one of the funny parts of this week's episode was this was when uh michael jordan took that break and went to uh play baseball obviously and during that time, he also would put up shots in a local gym downtown in Chicago. And the gy- they one time interviewed some people outside the gym and what was it like playing Michael Jordan. And one kid, probably at the time, was anywhere from 14 to 24. It's, it's hard to tell. Yeah, but that's a huge age range <laughs> that's also where you do the most growing like you change the yeah. most from 14 to 24 so you could have been a child or a full-fledged adult yeah <laughs> no some clue of, either one some of the kids i've met in my life who said they were their age that He's were my age himself. i don't yeah. know how they were my same <laughs> age because some of these look like full-grown adults in eighth grade so back to the point is He's getting interviewed by uh, one of the local news channels, and they ask him like, "What's what's it like guarding Michael?" He's like, "You just got, you just gotta get him to shoot the ball. Like as long as you just force his his shot up, you're good. Like don't let him drive and get to the basket. Just force him to shoot." And he basically just told, uh, was saying Michael Jordan can't shoot, and that's he's probably one of the best shooters of all time. So classic classic argument. <laughs> Everyone who ever defended Michael Jordan thought the same thing. Just let him shoot. Just let him shoot. And what's uh, this guy's name is Aaron Watkins. And uh, as Twitter does, they basically hunted him down on social media. And the guy gained, like, a handful of followers since the episode. Not bad. <laughs> but I'd say, yeah, definitely if, you're, if you don't want to watch all the episodes, seven was a good one. Uh... And one last part that was interesting, I thought, was I knew about the Jordan Dome, but it's kind of funny how he just, while he's away from the game, brings in all these guys who he's eventually going to play against. And everyone, it, it had like a Drew League uh, feel to it, but yeah. with a more serious uh, side from Michael, basically just scouting these guys each week. But uh, you guys all have to go watch it uh, as soon as you guys find the time. Yeah, I just don't have access to ESPN every weekend, so I'm not able to watch it every weekend. Um, There's only been a handful of times that I actually was able to. So I'm hoping that – I don't know. Like, So obviously over – like in other countries it's on Netflix, and then in the U.S. they're airing it on ESPN. Are they going to put it on Netflix after it's all aired on ESPN? I would assume so. Because cause it's a part of, I think in like the credits, I know Netflix is a piece. Yeah, of, they like help develop it or so produce it. But I'm hoping I, that they do it like right away, not like like not I, I'm sure eventually it will. But I want it to like after episode ten airs, then like the next day or something like it's all up there because I want to be able to watch them. I just can't. Can't. Yeah, I would assume so. I hope so. A lot of people should get a chance to watch these. Xavier, do you think it was a good idea releasing it um, the way they did, or do you think 
one episode at a time, or like if they just release them all at a time, what do you think is the best way to go about that? Uh, I think in the times that we're in, I think it worked out perfectly for them. Uh, the audience is there each week. We talked about it last week, how they're averaging like five and a half million people a week. And uh, one episode would, would have felt really short, and, and two does too, but it's a lot in the one week, and gives enough for people to kind of like talk about throughout the week, if, especially if you're a basketball guy. Uh, what is a bummer is after next week, it's over. Even though they, they include so much in 10 episodes, you wonder what it would look like as uh, multiple, like up to 20 episodes or so. Things like yeah, I'm, that. I'm, I'm curious what it looked like before they started cutting, like before MJ started cutting things out of it. Like what else yeah, did I they have the that he was like, I don't, want, I don't want this in there. Like that would be what I would want to watch. There's Yeah, because you got to think that there's so much videos they had because the way they hyped it up which it, it's it's it reached that level but you wonder what else was in there you almost that. i i almost Nancy think like the, uh like like it, like it's not it's so uh like the rating for it would not be allowed to be on tv that's what i wonder what else they got going like i almost i'm, I'm almost curious like it's like one of those things, like, if I told you, I'd have to kill you. Like, the the people that produced those parts that he cut out, like, you won't be able to find them anywhere. They won't, like, Michael Jordan wiped them off the face of the earth because he doesn't want them sharing that with anyone. So, like, the, the things that we didn't get to see, no one will ever get to see. And I'm hearing uh, the house that he's getting interviewed in is not even his house. He's just, he asked to be in some other person's house so he, no one knew what his house was. Oh, really? Like. That's yeah, actually, I didn't know that. That's funny. <laughs> what a move. That's State, a power move. Very private man these days. He was so sick of being in the limelight that he's like, uh, I don't want to be, uh, be on camera. One last thing uh, before we wrap things up here is watching the, the episode about him being so competitive, just I always question what the heck has gone on these last 11 years? What is he doing in Charlotte? Why are they so bad? Why can't he bring that competitive drive to running a team? Because that team <laughs> question. was gosh awful since he started. They were like 7-59 and 59 at one point or something yeah. like that. They and have been they terrible. haven't improved one bit. I think they had maybe one playoff berth as like an 8 seed. You gotta... I expect more out of him. <laughs> yeah, I mean... That's a good question. I didn't even think about that. Like, if you don't care, why Why are you pointing... Like, Jordan's this huge brand. Why Why do you want to hurt your legacy that you have built? Because it looks like a bad blemish. People thought him playing for the Wizards looked bad. Him as a president for the Bobcats. That, that, it's just ugly. Very you ugly. You think he'd be better as a coach? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Have I almost think, Ewing? like, MJ is, like, he's the greatest player of all time. I don't think he would make good, like, he was good because, like, he needs to be on the floor. Like, he needs to be, have his hand in everything that's going on on the floor. Whereas, like, an owner, and, like, you're only kind of, like, pulling the strings or, like, you're trying to, like, move things where you want them. But, like, I don't know that MJ would even make a good coach. I think player was, like, that's where you're mm -hmm. going to be. Like, he would 
obviously be obviously he was the best at that but I don't think there's anything else that he could do to that level certain people are meant for certain positions and his happen to just be player any last thoughts for today from either of you no, I think uh, this will be – I mean, we, we just finished okay. talking about one Chicago legend. Now we'll start the interview of another Chicago legend, um, Max Struess. I don't know if – he probably wouldn't want me to say that um, because after talking to him today, it sounds like he um, he's not a legend because he doesn't have that Chipotle card that he wants, uh, that everyone wants, honestly. Um, so soon to be Chicago legend after Chipotle gives him the free burrito card that we're going to help him get. Listen to the interview. Uh, it's a good one. We talk about all kinds of stuff. And uh, Max Struess, thank you for coming on. It was great. It was a great interview with him. So we'll we'll put that right here, and that'll be the end of our show today. Today's guest is a longtime family friend, local Hickory Hills legend, college basketball great, and current member of the Chicago Bulls. Welcome, Mr. Max Struess. Thanks for coming on our show. No problem. Good to see you, Xavier. Thanks for having me on. Of course, we've been uh, we both been wanting you on for a while. Both Tom and I, we probably tuned to into a handful of uh, DePaul games even when we were up in Iowa. <laughs> Appreciate that. Uh, to start off, I just want to ask, uh, how's your recovery going? Uh, are you able to shoot or run yet? Yeah, recovery is going really well. Um, you know, with everything that's going on right now, I'm not able to shoot anywhere because there's no gyms open, but. Um, I've been able to keep going to rehab and um, keep going to physical therapy three times a week. So, um, no, everything's coming along just well. Um, I'm running and jumping there. Um, but as far as basketball-related activities, I mean, just ball handling stuff I can do at home and stuff like that. But um, I'm way ahead of schedule in my recovery, so I'm looking forward to that and, and keeping keeping that on schedule. That's good to hear. Because uh, this is – you haven't really had any major uh... – like incident until this part of your career. I don't yeah, know. No, I've never really been hurt before. So, you know, it happens to everybody, but I'll get through it and move on from it and hopefully be stronger than and better than ever. That's what we hope. Um, other than that, what's, how's it been? De- like, how do you go through your, the quarantine that we're all dealing with? We all have different ways to go through it. Has it been difficult? Have you been bored yet? Um, you know what? It actually hasn't been too bad. Um, I'm living in the city here with, um, a couple friends, um, three of my best friends. I'm living here in an apartment downtown. So, um, you know, having them has been good and there's really no dull moments here. Um, you know, I go to, I'm able to leave the house and go to PT, like I said, three times a week. And other than that, just, um, you know, spending time at home, watching Netflix, playing Xbox or, um, and then I got some dumbbells and bands and stuff to do some, some home workouts. So, I'm um, just trying to stay active and things like that. But um, selfishly, this this whole, you know, outbreak of this thing has been somewhat good for me because basketball hasn't been able to go on. So it's not like I'm missing much while I'm out. So um, as far as that goes, it's it's been pretty good. Good. Um, I want to rewind to start off a little bit to your high school uh, years and growing up. Uh, you pretty much – been playing a range of sports your whole life how soon did you realize that basketball was the one you liked the most or that you wanted to see how far it would take you um I'd probably say my sophomore to junior year in high school 
Um, you know, freshman year I played all three, played football, basketball, and baseball. Um, and then after that, I broke my collarbone my freshman year. So after that, I was no more football. Um, and then, uh, you know, I did baseball and basketball the next the next year. And after that, I kind of, you know, I wanted to do the AAU thing and, you know, play basketball year round. So I'd say probably my sophomore going into my junior year of high school is when I when I started taking it more serious and um, realized that this is the sport I wanted to pursue. We actually had on uh, last year one of your uh, former AAU teammates, uh, Nick Wisher, came on. Really? Yeah, he gave us yeah. a, a, a show last year around similar time, I think, and he was a great yeah. guest. Nick's awesome. Yeah, I'm, I'm working with Nick, and, uh, you know, he's developed his app on Yoke. Um, yeah, I, I don't know if you've noticed that. He's got I that have. going, and then I help him out and uh, do stuff with the uh, Wish Fest and um, with their foundation. So I talk to Nick all the time. He's a great guy. Yeah, that, no, that the whole thing that those guys are doing, it's really uh, been special to watch. Yeah. yeah, they're great people. So going into, um, you know, kind of the later years of high school, what was it like uh, starting to get recruited and looked at by schools? Um, and, you know, how did that process kind of go for you? Yeah, well, there wasn't much of it. <laughs> um, you know, it, it kind of took it took a while for schools to recognize me because, um, you know, I didn't really play AAU. I didn't do all that. So, um, you know, I, I played on like a local smaller team um, in the summer. So it really wasn't like I was going to those national AAU tournaments and doing all that stuff and um, things like that. But my junior going into my senior year was, um, you know, we were on the summer circuit playing AAU and um, we went to like a couple bigger ones and um, that's when like the, the division two school started calling and um, things like that and started coming to my high school games. And, um, you know, during the high school year, some D ones were flirting around with talking to me and, um, but a lot of them were just, you know, preferred walk on spots or, um, you know, we don't think you're good enough to play at this level yet. So um, it was just a lot of division two schools, um, a lot of, a lot of offers from those people. And, um, once the season was over, I kind of narrowed those schools down and um, always wanted to stay close to home. So uh, it, it came down to Lewis where my brother played and I knew um, knew what the program was about and I knew Coach Trost pretty well. So it ended up all working out anyway. Yeah, so then um, after playing, you, you were at Lewis and um, you decided to transfer to DePaul. Um, what was the, the process there and were there any other schools that you were um, really considering at the D1 level uh, that – that when you chose to Paul over those? Yeah. Yeah. That, that process was crazy. I mean, that was, um, you know, the, the minute I put in that I was transferring in the transfer portal, the minute I got, I got phone calls that like within the hour, like it was, it was nuts. Um, uh, there were a lot of schools calling and, you know, I, I, I wasn't going to go anywhere um, to like a low to mid major that I, that I thought Lewis could compete with. Cause you know, Lewis is a high end division two school that can, you know, play with a lot of mid-major um, D1 schools. Um, so I really wanted to set on, like, the big five power conferences, you know, SEC, ACC, Big East, Big Ten. Um, you know, I wanted to play in one of those. So um, DePaul was one of the first ones to reach out. Butler, Xavier from the Big East. Um, I visited all three of those schools. And then towards the end of my recruitment, it was, you know, Louisville came on um, to talk, and Oregon um, was talking to me at the end there, too. and you know, I kind of I turned down some schools that were you know a bit farther away from home because I'm a homebody and didn't really want to go that far. So, um, you know, there was a lot of schools reaching out, but at the end of the day, I kind of 
narrowed it down to those those three with Butler, Xavier, and DePaul, and you know visited those, and I thought DePaul was the best opportunity for me. What was it? How much did you like being in Chicago? Uh, and your family's here. That's where your mom went, and uh, just being able to have a lot more fans that knew who you were, knew your story, and were able to root you on. Yeah, I loved it. I mean, it's, it's ironically worked out that I'm here still um, with the Bulls, so that's been great. But, um, you know, being close to home is everything for me. I am I love my family and love being around them. So um, it's great to have that support um, at every game. You know, I probably had at least 20 people at every game that were either family members or very close friends um, supporting me. So that was always nice to have. And, um, you know, it, it just helps you – want to do better and, and, and you want them to see you do great. So, um, yeah, I love being close to home and, and I'm glad DePaul gave me that opportunity. Yeah, I remember uh, you went there and then uh, I think it was my freshman year of college. I showed up to a game and I, I didn't – you had no idea I was going to come. And then I just crossed paths and I was like, oh, hey. And I was like, <laughs> I wonder what he thinks right now. He's probably thought you, I was following you or something. See Xavier sitting courtside. That was that was crazy, man. I didn't. I went to, a big time like that. Yeah, I what? probably went to another eight more after that. I went to even some this year. Yeah. Now, now well, whenever I want to go, I just kind of talk to the guys and yeah, all good. They're good people over there. One yeah. of the questions, uh, me and my other our other co-hosts wanted to ask is, uh, what what Xavier was like in high school? What, he he worked with the basketball team. I'm pretty sure. Uh, you got any? <laughs> Funny story about Xavier, because we got Xavier plenty of funny was, stories. <laughs> Xavier was a good guy, man. He was always there to help. Um, he just wanted to be around basketball. So, um, you know, he was one of the managers, and we all kind of took him under our wing and um, just loved having him around practice. And he kind of just did whatever, you know, our coach wanted him to do. And um, he was there early and setting up the court. And, you know, he was he was always there to help out. So Xavier was good in that range. Thank you. Uh, back to uh, your college stuff a little bit. Being able to play in the Big East, you got so many good schools, and Villanova winning during both your time, your during your college years. How fun is it to play in that Big East? Because I think top to bottom, it's competitive. Whether you're the best team or towards the bottom, it never yeah. felt like a team just was fully dominant in all the games. Yeah, I think the Big East is the best conference in basketball. Um, and obviously I'm biased. But um, if you look at my senior year, I mean, the bottom four teams were all eight and eight. Um, you know, there was – it's always like that. You know, you know, DePaul struggled recently. But uh, my last year, you know, we were, we were right there with everybody. And um, I think that's – that just goes for the Big East. Anybody can beat anybody on any given night. And um, – every gym is always pretty close to sold out and you know the atmosphere is great at every other arena so um it's always a challenge to play in the big east and it's great basketball and there's a lot of history behind it too yeah my mom was talking about uh she always talks about how she went to all those ray meyer years always non-stop yeah. about those years and hope they one day get back and it'll be nice to see when that happens yeah that was that was you know yeah having my mom play there, that was part of the history that I knew and grew up around. So I always wanted to get back to that level. And, you know, I came up short in my time there, but, um, you know, I, I thought that 
after I left, I left the le- good legacy of, you know, people to follow up and, you know, keep bringing us new, new higher standards. And I think Coach Leto is doing a great job of, you know, bringing in good guys. They had a good start to last year and, you know, kind of fell off. But it's all part of the learning process. And I think they'll, they'll figure it out soon enough. Yeah, so um, with your time at DePaul, is there one memory that sticks out above, above the rest as, like, just something, um, you know, something you enjoyed immensely about your time there? Yeah, um, I'd probably say my my last year when we beat Penn State at home in overtime, um, that was to go, I think, it was the start of the year, I think it was 4-0 or 5-0, and um, and it was, it was it was like a start of this, you know, you we finally won one of those overtime games. The year before, it was, if you looked, I think it was like, I don't even know how many losses we had, but almost over half of them were, you know, one to four point losses and every game was close and we went to overtime a lot. And, you know, starting that next year, we, we won that first overtime game that we had and it was just, you know, as it started to click and things started to change and you kind of felt like the program was starting to turn around and, you know, things were heading in a new direction. That senior year, that March that you had, it, you really made a big case for yourself throughout the whole year. And, Everyone was talking about you getting drafted, and it it didn't end up happening. And how how soon was it that you knew you were gonna sign on with a team? Did you know that week or as late as that day? You're talking about when I signed with Boston. Yeah, um, I knew the night of the draft. Um, I knew I was going somewhere that night. I thought I was going to get um, drafted in the the second round or later later second round, um, and it was close. I got. I got calls, but, um, you know, they ended up going different directions. But I knew before the draft was over that the Celtics wanted me and um, that I was going to sign a two-way with them that night. So, um, you know, I was watching with my family, and it was it was a long, long night watching that. But um, it made it well worth it when, to get that phone call from Danny Ainge and, um, you know, to hear that you're going to sign with the, the historic Boston Celtics, and that, that was great. Yeah, that was- My family, that news was awesome, too. It, it, it was it was a bit shocking too because the two way deals uh, aren't just in a way handed out right away. Usually they like to put right. them through uh, camps, summer league at least, and even some of the players don't get it till after they play some G League. And I just remember seeing the contract happening, and I, I was a bit not shocked, but a little bit at the same time. Yeah, it's actually um, it's not that common, but you know, like. In the later rounds, in the second round, like probably the picks like 50 to 60, most of those guys get a two-way contract, you know, because they can um, – the teams can negotiate those. There's no nothing set in stone there. So a lot of those guys end up getting two-ways. So it's basically just like I got drafted, but um, you just didn't get to hear your name called, which is – it is what it is, you know. That's a draft and stuff. It was uh, cool to watch uh, throughout the game. It, you're the first one out of – our high school to play in the NBA and things like that. And this, that watching the games last summer and seeing you connect with the team was a lot of fun. How close did you, you seem to get pretty close to some of those guys? I remember seeing you guys, you and Taco Fall playing video games together nonstop. Yeah. Yeah. Taco is my guy. He's, he's hilarious. He's a great dude. Um, but, you know, I was, it wasn't like I was home, so I didn't have anybody else out there. You know, we were all in Boston. And we were all moving um, to a new place that we'd never been before, so we didn't know anybody else. So, um, you know, you were all in a hotel room together, so we were all we were all together. So 
we were always hanging out and we didn't know anybody else in that city. So it was great to have each other. And, you know, guys like Carson Edwards and um, Grant Williams and Tremont Waters and Taco, they were great rookies to, you know, kind of start your way into the league with. Do you still talk to any of those guys? Yeah. Yeah. I talk to Carson all the time and Taco and um, they're, they're great dudes. You know, I played them. Well, I didn't get to play them, but I, our team played against them in the G league and, you know, it was good to, reconnect with those guys and see them for you know the first time in a while since the summer and Carson's another priority guy as well right yeah yeah that's why I spent all summer with Carson from May to August so I yeah. mean him bonded pretty well I remember I was flipping through uh like Snapchat one day or Instagram and seeing you guys at a Cubs game together they put on their soul shows yeah. like that's an insane to think about yeah so, yeah, so you've mentioned a couple of times how uh, you like staying close to home. So what was it like uh, finding out that you're going to be coming to the Bulls uh, organization yeah. and getting to come back to Chicago? That had to be pretty exciting. Yeah, so when I was in Boston, you know, my agent called me and said, you might you might get waived here and, you know, somebody's going to pick you up. We're, we're not worried about that. But, um, you know, he had he had heard from Chicago, like, if, if you know, Boston lets him go, like, let us know and we're going to jump on that right away. So. Um, I wanted to be in Boston. I loved it there. It's, it's really like a smaller Chicago. Um, the city's great and the people were awesome. Loved it. Great, great team, great organization. But if I were to go anywhere, I mean, what better than to come back home? And, um, I was ecstatic. And, you know, when I called my parents, they started crying and they're just so excited for me to be back home. And, you know, I, I couldn't have asked for a better situation. Did when you were playing uh, for the Windy City Bulls, did it ever feel like you were in a way in high school or college again playing some of those eleven o'clock games? I remember I'd be in class and see like a a G League alert saying, "Oh, tune in and watch the Chicago Windy City Bulls play." And I'm like, "Okay, I'll watch it before my class starts." Like, yeah, those games are exhausted. those games are funny. It's like a it's like a school day game, so there's just. It's the loudest game ever. I mean, I, I don't recommend any fan going to watch that unless you're bringing kids. I mean, it's – they're not even paying attention to the game. It's just at kids everywhere running around screaming. I mean, nobody's paying attention to the game. It's hilarious. But it's it's fun for them and a good way to get other – you know, get them involved and get them out of school, I guess. So, um, it was fun. But they are – they're loud, loud games for sure. What's – how, how do you deal with travel? Does, does it ever mess with like your sleeping schedule, eating habits? Uh, when we had, we had another G League guy, Ben Moron, and when we spoke to him, he was on a bus in the middle of practically nowhere yeah. at like 10.30 chatting with us. Yeah, the G, the G League is rough. Uh, the travel in the G League is rough for sure. Um, you know, you fly – whenever you fly, you fly like United or Southwest and you're, you know, getting on those planes and, um, you know, you got to get there early to get your seat. It's, it's funny how that works, how you go from, you know, DePaul college where you're taking charter flights everywhere. And, um, you know, you drive your bus right up to the plane and get on to the G league where it's, you know, maybe like a four hour bus ride back to, back to my division two days, stuff like that. Um, and then the NBA travel is just insane. I mean, their planes are craziness, and then you could sleep on those and not be worried about a thing. Um, so that's good. But the, the sleep schedule is definitely rough, and 
it takes a while to get used to. And, you know, being a two-way is very much so a challenge, um, you know, because you never really know where you're going to be the next day. Um, you know, I came home for Thanksgiving. Like, for example, I came home on Thanksgiving. The night before Thanksgiving, I thought I was going to spend that day with my family. I woke up at 10 a.m. Um, to a text from the Bulls that said, you have a flight at 1.30. You have to fly to Portland. Um, so I literally Thanksgiving morning, I woke up and I was like, all right, guys, I got to go. Sorry. So I had to drive to the airport and head to Portland. Um, you know, being on a two way, you just never know what's going to happen. And, um, it's craziness, but, uh, it's all worth it. I mean, to play in the NBA is a dream come true. So you just got to deal with the travel issues. Yeah. So, uh, he, he mentioned food too. I wanted to know, um, you, obviously you can find a Chipotle in any city, um, yeah. <laughs> but have, the, have you gotten that, like the, the celebrity card that Chipotle has where you get, like you're free, you still waiting on that? <laughs> no, I wish I'm working so hard for it. I feel like everybody wants it in America, but I, I haven't seen anybody work harder than me. It, it's funny though, because everybody I see is like, have you gotten that Chipotle card yet? Have you gotten it? Everybody knows that I want it so bad. I but, mean, Every day, uh, no, I see. Nothing. I haven't gotten it. See your snap, your uh, Instagram stories. You got. I think it was just yesterday. You had. You had yeah. Chipotle on there yesterday. <laughs> I'm trying, man. Oh, it's gonna happen one day. I know it. Yeah, Maybe. I think you're next up on list. Yeah, this this show will give you that little boost you need. <laughs> I hope so. I hope so. You guys need to put it out there for me. For sure. Uh, with playing the NBA, uh, you've obviously jumped from. You went from college to D two to that D1 jump and then D2, D1 to the pros. Has, have those jumps been uh, challenging or did you feel like you trust in your game and you knew that it was, you were very capable of all of that? Um, no, I, I've always felt like I was capable of um, getting to the next level. Um, you know, you're obviously – when I was leaving the Lewis to go to DePaul, I, I thought it was going to be a little different. But once I got in the gym with the guys and, you know, started playing, I – I realized that I, you know, I'm, I'm good and I, I can handle this level. And it's, um, I'd say that the physicality of the game was a little different because they have strength coaches and all that. Lewis, we didn't, we were all on our own pretty much and you got to do everything by yourself. So um, I'd say physically that was a little bit of a challenge, but skill wise and basketball wise, I haven't had much of a, much of a struggle. And, you know, going into the G league was um, not too much of a difference. The game evolves a little bit and, um, the NBA pace is a little faster and it takes some time to get used to, but, um, you know, with, with summer camp and, um, preseason, you get, you get well accustomed to it. And I thought I adjusted pretty well and didn't have too much trouble with it. This year you got to make, uh, your debut in front of a home crowd. Uh, I'm think I'm assuming you had tons of family. How did you, did you know that night you were going to make it in or was it by chance? No, no, they, you don't, you never know when you're going to go in um, when you're on a two-way contract. I mean, if you're not in the rotation, I mean, you might get thrown in the game and you never know what's going to happen. Like, like when I flew to Portland for Thanksgiving, we played the next day and uh, I got put in in the second quarter for like 10 oh. seconds. It oh. was nuts. I was like, <laughs> what the heck is going on? Like he's, he called my name and I looked at him and I was like, and then he called my name again. He's like, let's go. Like you're in. And I was like, okay, like here we go. And I'm, I'm in the game and I'm guarding Carmelo Anthony. And I'm like, geez, what the hell's going on? You know? And then I, I get taken out 10 seconds later and I don't play the rest of the game. It, it's, you know, it's, it's funny, but that's just the way it works. And 
that night was, um, you know, my parents were there, um, and that was good. But, you know, the game was getting out of hand, and we were down by 20. And you kind of think you're going to go in, but you never really know. And then once they put you in, your race starts hard, or your heart starts racing. And, um, you know, you live for those moments. So, And we almost came back and won that game. Uh, one thing I bet you didn't know, maybe you did, but uh, of anyone this season in NBA out of – the whole league, no matter how many minutes they played, you have the highest offensive rating. <laughs> That's not very fair. I mean, I doesn't. The, <laughs> I do have it. I know that somebody's told me that before. But what have I played? Like five minutes total. Five minutes. Yeah, five minutes. But those are hard. Yeah. Five minutes. <laughs> five minutes and five points. I'll take it. Yeah. Um, just a couple more things before we wrap up. Um, you spoke recently with. Uh, I think probably just a G League, you put out that little video. How important was it to make others known to make sure they go after and like believe in what, in something that they feel they can accomplish? Yeah. Um, that's been big for me, you know, just um, not getting what I wanted out of high school and, um, you know, never really stopping to get to where I wanted to go. Um, I wanted make sure people know that they can push themselves to get anywhere they want in life. And um, the only person that could stop them is yourself. Um, so that's just a thing that I've always engraved in my head ever since I've lived out my dream and playing the NBA and um, want other people to know that they can push themselves and get to where they want if they really want to do it. All right. I think last question here, what's it like now seeing uh so many fans, anywhere you go, call your name. You've probably experienced it here and there throughout college, but now you're in the pros. Uh, people with your jerseys. Um, I'm going to pull up something right here. People now even have – you're on a sports <laughs> card. You got, you got this one. I think there's a Celtics one out there. Now that next year, hopefully they make a Bulls one. Dave, you might be the only that? person. You might be the only person in the country with that card. <laughs> Actually, I I might be the only one with multiple of that card. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, I mean, you would you would think it's is like that, but I mean, I don't I don't get noticed at all. I mean, people call me Ryan Archie Diacono in the city. I've gotten that. <laughs> I've gotten you know a bunch of people when I was in Boston. You know, I was walking around the city with Taco. People were asking me to take his picture. I mean, people like, <laughs> yeah, I don't, nobody knows who I am. And I, it's, I'm fine with that. I'm totally fine with that. So it hasn't gotten, it hasn't gotten too bad yet, but I'd say the only people that know me are the people in Hickory Hills. So Hills, that's about ready. it. We're ready for your success. Yep. <laughs> um, I think that just about wraps everything up. I want to say thanks from Tom. Yeah, we other, appreciate this. Our no other co-host. Uh, Nick and myself, we're excited to see where you go from here. We wish you a speedy recovery. Thank you, X-Man. I'll be back and better than ever. Appreciate Thanks. you guys for having me. Will do.